0: To jump back into 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 9. Verse 8 was huge. I hope you thought about it, put it in your brain for the last week, but here we go. Chapter 4 verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Again, put it in context. The people to whom Peter are writing are mainly Jewish Christians. Uh, Paul spent his time among the Gentiles. Peter seemed to be much more around Jewish communities with some exceptions. So who's, what's going on here? Hospitality to each other without grumbling. In the nascent or early years of the Christian faith, there were issues because the Jewish people had very serious and set laws of hospitality, as do most Arabic countries today. But the Gentiles coming in not so much the jewish people also had a system for saving and for distributing money to the poor to widows and the like. the gentiles did not now both groups are coming to christ some of them financially prepared for whatever life throws their way the others not at all not at all and we know that there were serious tensions here we can read in acts 15 we can read Oh else well, it's just constant. you know what are they are, Do we still do circumcision? Or what about the laws of, of um, kosher food or clean food? These were huge. Paul has to deal with it in the books of Timothy and Titus we've already gone through about how do we feed, who do we feed, how do we organize this? And as the persecution's coming down, and Peter will be very blunt to speak about that in just a few verses more and more people are gonna need to run to their neighbors for help. More and more people are going to have to share. Share like they did in Acts chapter two when after they were baptized, scripture said that they held all things in common. You know, they sold their stuff. They they put it all there for common use. Well, now, back then that was Jewish people now the Gentiles are coming in and they didn't lay aside. They don't have anything to put in the pot. They don't have any money, they don't have any food. They're they're caught without a thousand years of history getting them ready for this. So Peter's reminding them, go ahead, go ahead to his Jewish friends and brothers, offer them hospitality and don't grumble about this. Uh, something big's coming down and we'll, hit that very shortly so for the us um, just remember that Jesus said if you invite somebody to your home and you lavish food on them and you give them a great time and they then take you to their house and they you, you lavish food on you in a good time he said that's what is that what is that for the kingdom you should be giving things to people who cannot give back it's one of those things that people have talked about quite a bit through the history of, um, of philosophy and community is how we treat those who have no power to strike back at us and have no power to give anything to us in return. That's what reveals our character. How you treat staff, how you treat the homeless, how you treat the poor, how you treat those that everybody else throws away, that reveals your character. And Peter's saying, do it now because it's coming hard. It's it's coming fast to you. Persecution is about to fall upon these Christians and they need to get a grip on who they are, what they are, and how they're going to survive this. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Do we really need to go much into this? I mean, Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, list of gifts, not extensive, um, but to give you the idea that everybody has gifts. I talked last week about you know, plumbing is not one of my gifts. And so I highly respect a person that can do plumbing or electricity or that can build a deck or any of that. That's, that's all Urdu to me. It, I have no idea how to do that we are to bring our gifts before the Father and use them in a way that brings glory to Him and that protects our community of faith. While we give to everybody, uh, it doesn't matter if they're atheist or they're Muslim or Hindu or the like, it does not matter. If we have and we can give, we do. We have a special obligation, however, to the community of faith because um, it's, it's like the old farmers would say, don't eat your seed corn. That most of you are not old farmers. What that means is this. At the end of every harvest, you have to set aside a certain amount of seed that cannot be sold, that cannot be eaten. That has to be protected because next year, that's what you plant. That's the excess that you give and you sell and you produce and you refine. But there's a certain baseline that has to be protected. With us at Our Safe Harbor, Our baseline is the lowest of any church you're ever going to find. Has two full-time employees, myself and my executive minister, Dave Cassilly, who also does the books. He does a lot for us. Then we have our creative director, Kirsten. And Kirsten makes things pretty. She makes sure that all of our slides are right. She makes sure all of our programs are running right, that our videos are published at the right time, and that they look good. She can't do anything about my face but that they look good and that they are accurate and that every song we do, every poem we quote, whatever it is, we have license to do so. We have bought the right copyrights, that we have been pristine in making sure that the workers who produce things are paid for doing so. Um, It is just a scandal how many churches sing songs, project songs, post songs, and they never bought the copyright service to do that. It's, it's, anyway, Kirsten does that for us plus a lot more. And then we have Hannah, and Hannah makes sure our social media is run correctly and that it looks good and that it's innovative. And so that's it, two part-time, two full-time. No utility bills because we're all powered by solar. No brick and mortar for us to, to pay for. There is one real estate that we pay for, and that's this office. It's two rooms and a bathroom where we meet for conferences and and gather, if if there has to be some sort of business work. But also this is where my office is, where we record quite a lot of this. And that we had to do because the donated office we had for a year, which was an amazing gift, it had to be given back to the fellow because his business was expanding. And you gotta let him have his office back. So we will always owe him for his incredible generosity, but we do pay $1,100 a month for this. That's it. That's it for all of the underground cost. And so we're trying to make sure that the money that comes here is being used in a way that honors God and that isn't piling up somewhere. Everybody needs some reserves, but isn't piling up somewhere not being used for Jesus. So that said, we all bring our gifts And we all work. I think all of us put in far more hours than we're paid for. And then we have the team that puts in a lot of hours and they're not being paid a penny. They just do it out of love. Shuttle drivers, people who clean, it just goes on and on. If you live in the Middle Tennessee area, we need more people on the ground every Sunday at the soundstage. So send me a note, patrick at oursafeharbor.com. We would love to have you join the team, okay? That said, use your gift whatever it is, whether you're in Spokane, whether you're in um, Fort Lauderdale, Austin, Texas, whether you're up in Burlington, Vermont, use your gifts and acknowledge with respect the gifts of others. Each one should use whatever gift he has to re- receive to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Mowing the lawn can be God's grace healing somebody by bringing in medicine and sitting by their bed is god's grace helping someone past a rough patch an addiction or divorce or accident or injury all of these things are god's grace being kind to people is god's grace we can do this we have to do this all of us our church is worldwide and it keeps getting into new areas Uh, we just got into india and the dominican republic Uh, we're getting also into new prisons This is amazing because people are just stepping up and saying, I'll use with the gifts. I'll use what I have, where I am, to bless the people that are in front of me. That's a job. If anyone speaks, he should do it as speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ and to him be the glory and the power forever and ever, amen. Um, In the older versions, it would say, if any man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Really bad translation, because oracles has a lot of historical meaning that's not in this. It just means when you talk to people, talk to them as Jesus would. And when you serve people, serve people as Jesus would. That's all that means. We can do that. Moving on. Dear friends, here we go. Do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. What, what's going on? We've already discussed it. If you've been following First Peter, got an itchy nose, sorry. Um, you can tell that we don't cut and redo here. Uh, it keeps the price down. keeps the cost down to us uh, and helps our supporters know they're getting the bang for their buck there. Uh, what's going on? We've talked about it. The Roman government is now moving in to punish, uh, first by isolation and social disapproval, and then the persecutions are going to get harder. Economic shutdown. There are going to be imprisonment. There's going to be some taking of property, taking of citizenship, and then taking of lives. This is the ramping up of what will become a very bloody and difficult 200 years in the church. So Peter says, don't think it's strange. They did it to Jesus, they're gonna do it to you. But if they insult you like they insulted Jesus, you're blessed. Because God knows how that feels, and God has seen it, and God is in you, and God writes the end of the story. If you suffer, it shouldn't be as a murderer, or a thief, or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. (laughs) like that. It's amazing how many times in the New Testament we are told, just don't meddle. Don't gossip. Don't get in their business. Don't. Just control yourself. Self-discipline, self-control but don't meddle. It would really help if we remembered that. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Don't wanna rush past this. Um, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God. I think we get that one. But when it says it's time for judgment to begin with the family of God, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be? Do you remember Sodom? When the angels let uh, and the Son of God let Abram know that they were going to destroy the, Sod- uh, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah if um, if what the reports going up were true, were true, if they found them to be true, that Abraham, or Abram began to negotiate with God. Well, what if there are this many righteous people? Would you, just- and God says, well, no. If there are that many, we won't. And Abraham negotiates it all the way down to 10. If there are just 10 good people there. The fact is, that Christians stand between societal decay and ruin and, you know, the rest of society. We're, we're there. What if Christians don't do good things? What if they're not the first ones in after an accident, a tragedy, big or large, you know, earthquakes or a person loses their job or a child uh, gets RSV. I mean, what What's going to happen if the world's, if the Christians stop? and they don't do what they do. And they don't act like they're supposed to act. What's gonna to happen to the world? Well, we can see that in some places where there's either a dearth of Christianity or the form of Christianity there is very formulaic and it does not touch the behavior and the ethics of the individual. When you do good, you are releasing good into the universe and you are protecting your neighbors. And if the judgment comes upon wrong and it hits us first, we need to be strong, don't back up, stay Christian, because when it starts hitting our neighbors, they're going to need us. They're going to need us to still stand. It's going to hit us first, but we need to still be standing when it hits them, even if they don't help us when it hits us. That's what this is. Yeah, it's going to be hard to save the righteous. This comes from Proverbs uh, 1131, probably, but when it says it's hard to save the righteous, that doesn't mean your salvation is in doubt. No. What did it take to save you? The whole plan, Jesus coming, Advent, the teaching, the cradle, the cross, and then the crown. That was hard. You're saying if it's hard to reach us, what about those who haven't been reached yet? How much harder is it going to be? So stay strong, stay there, be a part of things. Then to the elders and young men, is what the paragraph heading over chapter five says. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, let's just stop very quickly here and say, probably not talking about an office like bishop or presbyter here, but rather of the old seasoned in faith because he's talking to the Jewish community it was very common to address the elders of the community. Uh, They really revered the elders, the older people in their community. There are societies like that today in Japan. They absolutely revere the very young and the very old. And so you can see some of that there. Well, in America, it's not so much the revering of the old, but among us, it will be, we do. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, and one who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. There were some elders in the villages that were actually paid to do that work because the village found, or the community, found value in that. And so he may be talking to that group and he says, not greedy for money, not doing this because you have to, but because you are willing to serve. It's a serving, not lording it over those entrusting to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. For 25, 26 years, I flew about the country working with churches that were run by a group called elders in most of these. And to try to move them more to a shepherding model, and many even called themselves shepherds, and yet they made decisions without talking to the flock. They made decisions that upset the flock and drove some of flo- uh, the flock away. They made some decisions that troubled the flock and did not let them in on the decision making. Um, they would go into a room and make those decisions and come out and say what they were. Nothing like what Scripture wants an elder to be. An elder is in the people, amongst the people they're not meeting privately. They are there talking. They are there working within the community. Again, look at Acts 15, where they continue to work among each other and everybody gets a voice. And then the elders say, let's not make it harder than it has to be. And it seems good to the Spirit of Holy Spirit of God and to us that we don't make this hard. And they found a way to work with all the groups without hurting anybody. That's what elders are supposed to be like. And churches that have a different form of eldership to where it serves as a board that makes decisions are dying or will die. Those are your two options. It's a poison pill and we're seeing them close building after building after building, as what happened in Scotland and England, what, 40, 50 years ago, maybe even more, is now happening here. Uh, We need leaders that are humble shepherds, understanding you cannot drive sheep. You have to lead them, and you have to do so right among them. You don't send them your decision. You live among them. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. Notice the word submissive comes again. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward each other because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Again, out of Proverbs, Proverbs 3 in this instance. Um, why does he keep talking about submissive? Be humble, show respect, because you're going to need to stick together because what's coming, you think it's hard, oh, it's going to get worse. That's to then. I'm not an end times fear-mongering person. He wasn't either. He was talking about a current reality, a horrible reality of the the might of Rome starting to roll over the the people of God. He says, humble yourselves therefore, again, humble, humble. Why? Because if you got one of you out there going, well, I'm gonna do what's best for me and start singing, I gotta be me, that's not gonna help the group. We need to be with the group. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same excuse me, the same kind of sufferings. Lions, um, I've heard a lot of sermons on lions and about how you know, the cougars will chase you down, but lions don't chase, and uh, lions will only chase for a while. And this, that, and the other. And the fact is that I'm not sure that that's what Peter wanted us to take away from here. He's just saying, we have an enemy out there. Um, there are dragons in the meadow. So when you play in the meadow, keep your eyes open and don't be surprised when you see a dragon. All right, a, a tiger, a lion, whatever the enemy is. A snake in the grass. Don't be shocked. How could there be a snake? Be aware that the snakes are there. And live accordingly. Make wise decisions. And understand that you're going to have to learn how to control yourself. Not everybody's going to be there to carry these things for you and do all these things for you. You're going to have to make some decisions. Cast your anxiety upon God. Stand up and move forward. It's going to be a little hard, but you won't be alone. And whatever's coming at you, and it doesn't just say this here, it says it several places in the New Testament, all of these things are common. All, people are going through everything you're going through right now, and they're surviving. Maybe we should figure out how people survive. Some doctors have been arguing about this for literally hundreds of years, and, and there is some sign that some doctors are getting, a, getting ahead doing this. And that is, they said, why do we always study sickness and how to treat it instead of finding why the people who aren't sick aren't sick? See what they're doing. See what they know, what their genes are. And so everything from working with genes, you know, CRISPR and the like, to medications, to diet, not to get us to live forever, but to live better, longer. Why don't we study how people survived the persecutions and do that? Be more ready like they were. Again, may the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, (coughs) sorry, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Again, Peter thought this was going to be a quick thing and that Jesus was going to come back soon. It didn't turn out that way. I don't know why Jesus hasn't come back, but I'm not worried about it. I believe that he will. I, You know, the odds are really good that I'm not going to be around when that happens. But I'll be able to see it from wherever I am. So will you. Even if you thought, well, this should have been over by now. You know, I got a question last week by somebody saying, all the degeneracy around us. Why? You know, how much longer can this go before it collapses or people react? And I said, I don't know. My job's to be a Christian. Um, I can't predict. I, I, I'm really—I've tried, by the way—I've tried to predict things. I'm really bad at it. So I'm just going to be a Christian. And then he just signs off. With the help of Silas, who I regard as a faithful brother, I've written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, they use that, we'll get back to it. Chosen together with you, sends you her greetings and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Uh, Several things we gotta do here. and. We're we're gonna finish within 30 minutes, I think. Babylon was a common uh, symbol, an allegory for them. They would say uh, if you were, perhaps if you're in America and you're going to Las Vegas or if you're in Europe and you're going to certain parts of Amsterdam, you might say that you're going to Babylon because Babylon is where it seems the rules of God do not apply and there is, um, there's, there's all sorts of licentiousness, all sorts of sexual sin and, and, and criminality, yes. But in particular, state-sanctioned or the state itself is the purveyor of what is evil. And that's what Babylon usually means. When the state is poisonous because the state itself pumps out the evil. So we're warned constantly about Babylon and there being reminded here that you've got churches, you've got faith communities in Babylon. He may have been meaning Rome, I don't know. It certainly would apply, but there were other uh, other areas, like the seven churches of Asia in the book of Revelation, most of those were homes to cults that could have been easily called Babylon. So it's just an expression. But he's saying, remember them, they have a lot worse than you are right now. And they're staying faithful, you, so you stay faithful too. And then greet one another with a kiss of love. Uh, a holy kiss is sometimes referred to in scripture. And I, I found that that's really interesting that churches that are very literal never, never apply that one. It's, it's like, no, 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 that was just a cultural thing. And I'm saying, wait, wait, you're, now you're admitting there are cultural things? Uh, And by the way, I'm not pushing for a kiss. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. The word kiss there, by the way, uh, it can mean a hug. It it can mean a handshake. It is a a human gesture, contact, meant as acknowledgement and friendship. Uh, In many countries, it is not unusual to see men walking down the street holding hands because they're friends. That's all. Uh, Or to have men with their arms around each other not because they're, you know, their football team just scored, but because they're friends. And there's places that you go that do a little air kiss on the cheeks, and some don't do air, they actually hit the cheeks. Whatever the society's greeting protocols are, he says, do that, you know, keep it clean, a holy kiss, <laughs> keep it clean, make it in love, but uh, don't be afraid to greet each other. Because while we are all different, we need each other for what's coming down the pike as peter says well what's going to happen next that's going to have to wait isn't it all the way into february thank you for walking through first peter with us and thank you for being a part of our safe harbor hope you have a wonderful week tune into the monday morning messages for some really interesting things that might um might give you pause and might exercise your brain a little bit i think you'll enjoy it god bless cheers